Welcome back, Camradies, to your favorite pirate Voxwave station, 665.66 UHMR Camrat Radio. Broadcasting live tonight from the hangnail on sublevel 77, neutral territory for all you gangers out there. In Hive News, some scum gators are out of control over the last couple of weeks, with reports of some of them having up to eight legs. Make sure to keep those auto guns, stubbers, and las pistols close at hand just in case your afternoon commute is rudely interrupted and not by the Arbides. Afternoon delight. I am your host with the most, Goblin King, and I am joined today by my co-host, Marky. Yo. And we are graced with the lovely presence of Beast. Hello, everyone, guys and gals. How are we doing out there tonight? Uh-huh. Out on assignment this week is Kevin. We sent him back into the depths of the Imperial Navy to figure out what type of dresses they wear. Yeah, he might be uh, coming back without toes next time. You know. Which is very unfortunate. I heard them cyber toes, though. they extra clingy. Yeah. <laughs> Worst thing, he might be coming back in a skirt. that wouldn't be the first time (laughs) all right guys so we've gone over our own lore we've gone over some of our own lore we've gone over our hive lore and we've even talked about what lore is in general (laughs) but we kind of gave a flak cannon or shotgun overview of what lore could be when marky and i sat down to review the notes Going into our second creative writing episode, today's episode, creative writing, where to get started. We realized that creative writing is incredibly rich and diverse with hundreds of rules that you can learn and then bend or even break to suit your individual needs. With that in mind, instead of trying to cram it all into one episode, we're going to kind of just look at specific topics within creative writing every couple of episodes, every few episodes, maybe once a month, maybe once every other month. But we definitely would love some feedback or any questions on parts of the topic of creative writing that you feel that we've missed or that we haven't touched quite fast enough yet. One of the really good ways that we just want to bring up right up top to get in touch with us is through our Discord. Uh, The very best way to reach us because we are all on it at all times of the day. Yeah, you get some good interactions with us. It's a great place to ask us some direct questions. We do tap our community for all sorts of podcast needs. Before we get into the meat of today's topic, I wanted to go over the difference between storytelling and world building. So in our last creative writing episode, we talked about lore by bringing up a couple of examples of the way that lore is used in video games and the way that lore is used in movies to kind of establish background radiation, background noise, or set dressing, as Tom brought up, for what you're watching. But there really are two major, I guess, paths in my mind anyway, when it comes to creative writing or this type of creative writing. And that's what is storytelling and what is world building. So we're going to split down those two major paths to help explain some of the ways that you can set out when you're attempting to write lore. As we brought up in the last episode, one of the really big differences or one of the really big ways to look at world building is that of Star Wars. You can look at the world building of Star Wars and see a very rich and diverse environment that can be played in versus the story, which is relatively paper thin. Most expanded fictional universes do have a good mix of both of these, both world building and story and arguably good stories require incredibly good world building, but that doesn't mean that they're the same thing or even meshed. Uh, Halo, Star Trek or Battlestar Galactica are also examples of expanded lore, expanded world building. So good. 
You're talking about Battlestar, right? I love Battlestar. Yeah. I love Battlestar I mean, I so thinking, much. I was thinking more about like Halo, like as you were talking about. Halo's good too. Yeah, the, like playing playing the story of Halo makes you want to like kind of deep dive into, hey, what what what's more to this universe that you know I can learn and understand. Probably very very few things I feel like that. I was just gonna say I was like, wow, yeah, it sounds like nothing like you do. <laughs> this is very true. Yeah, most hate- people have that. It's called history. Yeah, yeah, yeah. fuck that. Hey, Halo's got some crazy deep lore. Battlestar's got some crazy deep lore or, or world building in this case. Yeah, the whole uh, the whole thing. One of the ways that a lot of world building is introduced to a lot of stories is with a trick called exposition. Sometimes exposition is woven really well into the movie or the story, and other times it's that boring monologue or that huge text dump that forces you to read before you even start watching a movie. You can smash your readers in the face with exposition like a video game movie might do, but it isn't always what you want to do. And weaving exposition into the narrative can be a lot more rewarding. One of the examples I always look at with this kind of like smashing exposition into your face. I was going to say, is that kind of like something that's that's frowned upon almost? It's not. It's not frowned upon, but, but it it's can, like an easy way out. Almost. It's an easy way out. I was going to say, because I actually really like it when like they monologue in the beginning of a story. Like I, you, you mentioned, or I think you were going to mention Resident Evil, right? Yeah. Resident Evil does it. And how, uh, Al, is it Alice? Alice. Yeah. yeah Alice kind of like talks about what, what just happened. What's, yeah. what's, what she's going through. And I'm just kind of like, Ooh, this is interesting. Maybe, kinda, maybe, maybe Mila Jovovich just has a sexy ass voice <laughs> that I love to listen to. I, maybe that's help. <laughs> I think it I think it works really well in a couple of different settings like Star Star Wars the opening crawl is iconic. Oh yeah, definitely. Like without the opening crawl of Star Wars movie yeah, is Star Wars far movie. far away. Yeah, I mean you get Mila Jovovich to read that to me, I'll, yeah, all day. <laughs> oh, I wonder. But there's right? <laughs> I'm sure there's an ASMR for that. Right. But in other cases, it, it's done. It, it can be done hackily. You know, like I, I, you you're listening to a lot of audiobook stuff right now. Yeah. Um, if an audiobook was like, all right, so now we're going to talk about why plants exist. And then they just gave you a bunch of information on why plants exist, because halfway through the story, the plant they're talking about is important. It's a lot less organic of a way than bringing it up than bringing it up in connection to the story. Right. Okay. I see. Um, a, a big trick that a lot of short form storytelling and like a lot of movies use is the cold open. Good modern example of a cold open to a story would be the intro sequence to army of the dead. You are dropped immediately into what's happening in Vegas before the wall is erected. You're not given any exposition. You're not given any, any is explanation. Like, uh, Zombie land. It's the, it's the movie with, um, you know what Army of the yeah, Dead Batista, is. Yeah, Yeah, Dave Batista. Yeah. Uh, Zombieland is another good example okay. of a cold open. because yeah, I was going to say... You uh, literally are dropped into his first rule. Right. Like, he's getting gas and he's talking about cardio. Like, right as the story opens. Uh, I got That's it. a cold open. You're, you're immediately jumping into something, and then you're going to go back and learn why this is important later. Gotcha, okay. And that's kind of a more natural way to bring up exposition. That doesn't mean that world-building info dumps don't, Still have a place, though, as you brought up uh, in the beginning of for dumb people like me that don't (laughs) care for, you know, doing the research. Oh, yeah. Little little monologue in the beginning with a sexy voice. I'm a simple man. (laughs) There you go. Uh, and don't shake your head at me, Tom. <laughs> War- they can hear me shaking my head. <laughs> that was the sound of Tom shaking his head. 
Warhammer 40k is a really good example of this. Actually, a lot of game settings are pretty good examples of this. But in the Warhammer 40k world specifically, most of the world building is done in the rule books, the codexes and the official releases. So you get your background on what's gone on with the universe. You get why the factions interact with each other the way they do. Uh, you know, when you're looking at a Space Marine chapter, you're going to get things like Battle Doctrine. You're going to get an idea of how their gene seed works. All of that is that encyclopedic knowledge. And, and you know, you, you play Death Watch, so right. you've got a little bit of that. Like, you understand that some of the Bolters have special rounds. You understand that the Death Watch pulls from all the different chapters. You understand all of these functional world building rules which make the death watch work right right just uh speaking generally on them yeah i mean i think when i when i first started playing the what what pulled me in more to the lore was the fact that i could uh and tom always talks about it how you can collaborate collaboratively create a story yeah. with, with your opponent and that's where i was like oh i can i can make you know because I think when I started, it was more of a hobby, like I can paint this and this is cool and I get to roll dice. It's a game. And then as I played more, I was like, oh, there, you know, as you play games, you do, you're developing stories. And right. as you develop these stories, you're like, oh, I can create back like background lore. But you're able to do that because there's a certain amount of world building, which explains the basics of what you're doing. Right. Yeah, exactly. If you were given the blanks and you had to come up with you were given like a blank character sheet with just some stats on it. And there was no explanation to what a veteran sergeant was, what a sergeant was, what a scout Marine was. None of that information existed. And you just had these guys and you had to figure it out. It's a, it's a much more difficult model. Right. Right. They, they give you a lot of structure to yeah. work off of, yeah. or you and, get a lot of structure to work. And off. that's the, that's the world building side of it. The narrative side of it is what black Ri library is doing. I mean, the black library is using that world building and going in and giving personalized narratives of soldiers that experience that world. And that's, and that's what you were getting at is, you know, you get into your first couple of games and like that one unit just never breaks, never dies, never fails morale. And then you come up with, you know, it's Billy and you got Billy. You got Billy, you got Deadeye. Those are like two iconic characters that we really talk about a lot. Beast is, is definitely turning into that. Oh, yeah. He, like Beast, Beast, oh, Beast, Beast, Beast Knight, Best Knight. Yeah. He's honestly like, and, and like knock on wood, you know, he, he's never failed. Mm. It seems like he's always, always up in your face. He's always throwing a, a vehicle into something else. It's like every and, time. And Tom's <laughs> every Tom's, time. Yeah. Tom's lore behind it is that he's a, just a super aggressive knight. Yep. It, it, it backs the way he plays on the tabletop, which makes it a lot more, uh, uh, intimate, I think. Yeah. Like it makes it you. you love well, that's it. and that's how that's how I base all of my lore. Is I try to base it off of something that the way that I play, mm, and that's you know? that's that cooperative storytelling yep. that Warhammer 40k universe and the foundation that we have lets us do. Uh, you know, just like the examples of war movies that we brought up last time, we have an understanding of the world. Just like when you go and watch a war movie, you have the understanding that there was a Pacific and an Atlantic theater of war in World War II, which helps you frame the story that you're going to tell. In 40K, as an example, we know that Abaddon has led 13 Black Crusades and that the last one ended with the fall of Cadia and the expansion of the Cicatrix Melodictum, which has put us into the current state of the game. Our goal with the lore dump episodes that we've already been working on with the podcast is to explore a lot more of this foundational world building for you guys or with you guys 
while our overall goal just with our podcast in general has always been to get into the meat of the creative writing and creative storytelling and world building process. Um, to speak from a personal perspective, I've always been stronger when it comes to the world building, establishing rules, encyclopedic information, timelines is where I kind of feel comfortable. Telling a narrative in those worlds I built has always been a little bit more secondary. I have a tendency to rely on those slice of life or short story forms. This the type of stuff that you see more in like the sidebar of a codex. I'm not trying to write a 20 novel epic, um, but that's just my strengths. My strengths are in writing codexes, campaign style books. There's just a lot of lore. There's a lot of stuff that I pump in that. And you guys saw that with the teaser last time um, where I read off a couple of planets or a planet in my world, uh, in my subsector. And there's a lot more behind that. Yeah, honestly, like when when you were talking about that, I was like, wow, you can really get uh, pretty deep in, in it, like just the the general information on the the background that you have on your armies and whatnot. Oh, yeah, yeah. You can expand it as much or as little as you want to. You know, you don't you don't have to you don't have to justify your radicus mechanicus existing by building an entire subsector. I did. You don't have to. Right. But you do it because you enjoy it. I everybody, love it. I love it. Everybody yeah. gets, uh, uh, you know, their, their own personal enjoyment out of, you know, the things that they do with their army. It's their hobby. It's how you, however you want to enjoy your hobby. If you like, you know, 3d printing and you like writing up 30 pages of lore that, you know, nobody might ever read, but <coughs> oh my God, that was Ryan's dying. Every orifice. <laughs> I fart coughed. It sucks. <laughs> Ryan, this is the worst because that's when your butthole is just like. <laughs> oh my god! I think I think it's shit just visited, out of my ass. It's visited yeah, like, by like, grandpa like, Nurgle there. Normally you get a fart, you're like. Oh. This one's you're just like. Ah! Like <laughs> your butthole loses all control. Oh my god! You might need to go do a safety wipe. I'm you know, you never know. Yeah. Bleeding. I'm not I, bleeding. I, it's not bleeding when it comes from your eyes. What's it called? Crying. I'm crying. I don't think bleeding, bleeding is supposed to happen anywhere <laughs> naturally. Bleeding just doesn't. You just don't bleed yourself once a month. No. Yeah. There's some. There's some things that bleed naturally. <laughs> and I even said once a month. <laughs> I was making a joke not, about leeches. Not here, Sorry. <laughs> Bloodletting. Yeah, so <laughs> I, to get back on top, now that I've attempted to die on podcast, yeah, to get to get back on topic, or to bring it back into what you were saying, you don't you don't need to do that expansive amount. That's just what I enjoy doing. Conversely, Tom's strengths, or, or maybe not conversely, in tandem, Tom's strengths are really understanding the existing lore or the existing story structure whether it's the stuff that he's come up with on his own or if it's an existing property like 40K and then coming up with that fireside story that really delves deep into character interactions in the environment. I'm going to be the guy that's going to write the bestiary. Tom's going to be the guy that's going to scare the socks off of you with a ghost story inspired by the bestiary. Neither method's correct. And when it comes to cooperative storytelling in your group, as you brought up, Merge all this stuff together. Come up with a different way to tell these stories. Come up with your own way. So one of the biggest hurdles that always comes up into this is how the fuck do you actually start, though? Writing is intimidating, even if you've been doing it for years. There's a lot of rules when it comes to writing, and it can often feel incredibly overwhelming trying to just start 
even when using an existing universe like 40K, it can even be intimidating on top of that to keep the history of the universe straight so you don't accidentally retcon, forget, or change some major element in the story that you're trying to tell based on the existing lore. Just like with a kit bash project though, or sitting down and starting to paint a model, it's intimidating enough that the idea of even putting your pen on the paper can be paralyzing. It's that thing that you do, you know, well, I feel like we all do it with painting. We see somebody's awesome paint job and we're like, well, I'm not even going to start because I can't get that good. You know, I, I actually do hear that a lot and I don't think I've ever felt that way. Every time I see it, I'm like, I, good, I want to paint that well. How did he get that? You know, how did he do that effect? How did he do, uh, you know, this, this style? Right. Uh, so it's more of like a, challenging me. So I'm like, how do I do that? And that's kind of what you got to do with creative writing. You've got to look at it like any other part of the hobby or any other skill that you're trying to develop, like Mark just brought up and set aside time to research it and to actually work on it. Because that's what you do. You, you see it, an effect that you like, and then you go research it and you try to build it. And then you set time aside to paint like that. Yeah. Plus, I mean, it's always just fulfilling to, to actually get it done. If yeah. you're not doing anything, I mean, what is it like if you don't, you can't win if you don't play or what, what, what the fuck is that? That lotto saying you, you, you can't. Uh, if you ain't first, you last. Yeah, I guess. The, Ricky the, Bobby. Yeah, that's the one I was <laughs> Shake and bake. Shake and bake. Shake and bake. <laughs> shake and bake. <laughs> so even if it's just 30 minutes a day, if you're interested in creative writing, just set down some time to jot a couple of ideas and get them out of your head and get them onto paper. It's a start. It's a little bit of structure it can help you out. To give you guys an idea between my own 40K lower projects, research and writing for the podcast and my own personal science fiction slash science fancy world, I probably spend around an hour a day writing during the week. And at times I can go up to four to five hours on the weekends. I have found just like painting Warhammer figurines, making it a goal to do a certain amount a day helps. But don't think you have to outright me or that even approaching that level of writing is the good idea. I've got a little bit of education in this, but it doesn't mean that I have any sort of raw talent and it doesn't mean that I'm an authority on writing at all. Yeah, it's just your personal experience, right? Yeah, I, I take the just same... some context. Yeah, I take the same route or uh, guidance on, on painting. I try to get at least like 30 minutes of painting done every day as as best I can, even if it's like only 10 minutes a day. It's right. It's, right. If the, the, if the military, it's the or life, yeah. If the, if military or life teaches you anything, it's one foot in front of the other. If you're not, you know, taking that step, you're not moving. So yep. just yep. keep, keep trucking along. And just like you would do with the painting, you know, I, I feel like we all probably check out a couple guys, Miniac, Ninjon, yeah, totally. Squidmar, you know, there's some painters that we all sort of look at. I do the same thing with writing resources. Uh, Brandon Sanderson, who's the author of the Stormlight Archive, is one of my favorite authors. He has an entire lecture series on writing fiction. He's got YouTube lectures, YouTube classes, I guess. I guess, yeah, YouTube classes for if you've got a goal of wanting to write a novel over the summer, he'll tell you how to write your first well, novel. Well, he gives you like structure. And he gives you to, some structure. He's got, awesome. yeah, he's got his own rules. Yeah, you, yeah. Uh, fortunately, nowadays for, with the internet, you can learn yeah. or pretty much figure out how to do whatever the hell you want. Yeah. There's a lot of teaching resources out there Yeah, for free. Um, an <laughs> another guy that I really like is the YouTuber. Hello, future me. He actually goes into 
breaking down existing properties, things like Avatar The Last Airbender, Lord of the Rings, a couple others, to explore the writing tropes, styles, and world building that are in there. That's pretty interesting. Yeah. And we'll, dope. we'll toss some links down below in the description like we do so you guys can follow those and yeah, check those the, guys out. The one thing that gets me about like the, the individuals that do things like that is sometimes... It, this is just me personally. It feels like they can almost ruin it. So like, you know, when you are listening to like a movie review or a game review and they, they're giving like, oh, this is why this is bad. But when you play it, you're like, man, that was a fun game. Uh, what does this guy think about it? And you go listen to what the guy thinks. But he's like, well, honestly, the game sucks because, you know, X, Y, Z, like there, yeah. there was like the, the graphics weren't there. They're, you know, comparable to like five years ago or just, you know, little things like that that almost kind of ruin ruin like they, they give you a different perspective and because they give yeah. you a different perspective, you don't enjoy it as much. So one, one of the, might just be me. one of the things that I encountered when studying literature at the beginning was that there's, there's two different concepts. There's, there's positive and there's negative language. And depending on how you structure your criticism, mm -hmm. you can, you can go down, you know, and, and we, we suffer from this as a group of creative people writing a podcast together. When we have our production meetings, right. this happens. Sometimes we'll bring up something in a very negative light. Like it's a negative criticism and we're not, because we're not using positive language. Right. And I'm not very good at figuring out when to use positive language versus negative language. I, I know that it exists. So it's something I try to work on, yeah. but I feel that both Brandon Sanderson and hello future me very much stick with that positive side. They they'll, yeah, you know, specifically Hello, Hello Future Me. Hello, I don't know why I keep doing that. Hello Future Me will look at like he, he's got. I don't like Avatar: The Last Airbender. It, it didn't click with me. I think I was too old when I finally watched it. I understand yeah. that it's got some good world building in it, and I can look at it from that lens. But I don't enjoy it. Hearing him talk about it, he presents it in a positive enough light that I got more out of watch going back and watching what he was talking about. You have a little more respect for it now that you see like, right. okay, that, that is why this, you know, demands the respect that it, that it, that it's due. Anyway, yeah. And one, one of the things that we talk about a little bit in the, the science fancy, uh, you know, there's science fiction and then there's science fancy 40 K is a little more science fancy. There's a lot of fancy magic giblets over there, but in the <laughs> science, yeah, in the science fancy world, uh, or the fantasy world, we often talk about the difference between like hard sci-fi and soft sci-fi, hard magic systems and soft magic systems. So these guys, both of these guys actually introduce these concepts as like, you know, for instance, a soft magic system isn't bad if it's used properly, you know, and it's, and it's not, it's making the decision to use it properly. A soft magic system can work. A soft magic system would be, um, a great example would be Miracle Dice from Sisters of Battle. I was like, I, I'm i looking at Ryan and he's like, soft, soft magic versus hard magic. I'm like, I don't know what either so, of these things mean. So chaos magic <laughs> right. from Warhammer, Warhammer 40K is a hard magic system. Gotcha. For every action that happens that's powered by warp magic, there is a cost. And usually that cost is very high but it's an understood cost. There's a mathematics, there's a science to that cost. We can say every time a chaos sorcerer in the Warhammer 40K universe casts a lightning ball. He loses a, a hundredth of, of his soul or yeah. some shit. Yeah. Say somebody grows a tentacle on another planet. Something happens, a cultist dies. There is always a trade for the power that's being consumed. Mm -hmm. The power of the emperor 
is soft magic. Uh, another really good example of soft magic is Gandalf. Gandalf's power in Lord of the Rings, there is no measure to it. Gandalf can essentially show up and do miracles. No. So miracles would be soft magic as to where the trade-off of... Um, uh, like Saruman or... Uh, yeah. No, no, uh, the Hobbit. Uh, the, the, the ring. The one ring. Oh, okay. The, yeah. the ring that... that uh, Bilbo has. Them all? Yeah, thank you. One ring to bind them. <laughs> we know, we know that every time you put the ring on, there are consequences to it, and we know that one of the consequences to that is it twists your body, and you can eventually end up being a golem. Right. You know. Anyway, so that's that's kind of that introduction. Uh, I, I see it. And they and they bring up those concepts in that way. So it's always kind of a positive. They're not they're not going like, oh, this is dumb because it doesn't follow these rules. They're going, this works because these are the rules that they chose to follow or whatever. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. Anyway, um, we thought a lot about this because this stuff can really just go on and on and on and on. I can tell you how I use socioeconomics to world build in Dungeons and Dragons or planets that I put into the scald there worlds, but that doesn't help you start writing. So right. we kind of tried to boil it down to five tips and tricks for you guys to use as you see fit. In my experience, all of these things can help, but not any one of these are rules and none of them are going to make or break your writing. This is all theory designed to help kickstart the creative process just when it comes to that initial sitting down and starting to write those first couple of pages, those first couple of ideas into it. Nothing is as frustrating as knowing that you've got this idea in your head. You can feel it. You can see it. And you even have a goal of writing it down and sharing it with your friends or writing it down and sharing it with the podcast so we can read it later. We And not actually being able to write it down. That's a very frustrating, you know, it happens with painting. It happens with kid bashing. I got this cool fucking idea and I just can't get my hands to do what I want. You know what uh, that almost kind of reminds me of? Like, you know, when you have like a really badass dream and you're like, man, that's a, that's a cool ass story. That's a cool ass idea. want to remember it. Right. Yeah. So that people have like dream journals and whatnot. Yeah. Uh, that, that's something that's always like happened to me where I have like a badass story and I'm like, man, that was awesome. And then like later in the afternoon, I'm like, man, what did I dream about last night? <laughs> I remember it was badass, but I don't remember what it was. So, so legit tip six or tip zero <laughs> from <laughs> tip, Mark, from the, Marky, the we didn't even put it down, but tip zero is, uh, yeah, journaling is awesome. Dream journaling or idea journaling, always having something you can write with. Nowadays, it's super easy. Most of us have a yeah. smartphone. Oh. Most of us have access to Google documents like that. Open it up, write it. So here's our tips. Number one, names aren't important yet. Number two, borrow existing structures. Number three, start off in one place. Number four, establish the needs versus the desires of your subject. And number five, when you're stuck, flip it on its head. And that's it. Thanks y'all for listening. Uh, we got a Patreon. There's some links down at the bottom. Yeah, uh, I really going. hope that explained the entire writing process. Yeah, good luck. You guys have anything else? No, we're good. Yeah, we're at it. <laughs> Should we actually tell them shit now? <laughs> <laughs> I thought we told. I thought we told them plenty. I mean, we gave them. We're stuck. We're stuck. Yeah, yeah. So trick one. When you're stuck, you're stuck. So trick one. Names aren't important yet. I'm not gonna lie. I struggle with this a lot, and I probably always will. I either come up with an awesome kick-ass name right out the gate connect it to a bit of lore that I want to tell and move on or I get stuck on the name for 
fucking hours. And if you guys don't believe me, you heard it in the Hive episode. Yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> I was so intent on the name that I got stuck. I think all of us were. All of us were like, we need to figure out what the fuck you're going to call yeah. your, your gang. <laughs> and, and here's the thing that fucking kills me. I'll get stuck on something for hours and I'll finally come up with something and I'll put it down. And then three revisions later, I'm like, this is dumb and I'll throw it out. I, I really like Splatterhawks, though. I do. I do. I Here, think- here's my example. It's not Splatterhawks. <laughs> when I first named the Skaldmire Worlds... They were called the Maiden Worlds, and they were the Maiden Worlds for more than a year through several revisions until my dumb, dumb brain remembered that Maiden Worlds is already the imperial translation for an Eldari word that refers to paradise worlds. Eldari's paradise worlds are called Maiden Worlds. These are worlds that Eldari science has made absolutely fucking beautiful and perfect. But this is an illustration. It's pretty common. I got the idea stuck in my head and I got blind to where the inspiration came from and how to work my way out of that problem. Later, when I realized that there was an issue, it was a pain to change it. I didn't want to change it. And I had this disenchanting moment where I had to face the facts that I wasn't being a unique person. As we mentioned, we were brainstorming off the bat coming up with a bunch of names and then all of a sudden it fucking hit me splatterhawks and you guys immediately reacted which is what i'm trying to do which is what we're all trying to do in our heads when we're thinking about names and thinking about how to name stuff and that's a great way to break it is that brainstorming bouncing ideas off your friends trying to come up with a bunch of names tom again i'm gonna bring you up you're great at coming up with names on the fly. You thank just, you. Thank you. I try. Big too fast nuts. <laughs> <laughs> but ultimately, when you sit down and you want to write, you're going to go through at least two to three different drafts. And the name isn't that super important right off the bat. Normally, when I try to break myself of this idea, I write down a word that means what I want. And then I come back to it later when I have more lore down and I'm able to address it. And I want to change and make it set and final. Um, you guys saw that in that you heard that happen in the hive episode. We kept brainstorming past it. We came up with a couple of different ideas. We did it. We did it in your orc episode too, to an extent, not necessarily with names, but you had a couple of ideas and then you were like, these are the things I'm going to lay on the table. We're going to move over here. Yeah. Definitely. We'll come back to this later. Yeah. I just wanted to, Hey, uh, you know, plant the seed yeah. and then, you know, move on to the next thing. And, you know, maybe in the back of your mind, something will grow. And that, and that's, and that's what this is. We're, I'm using names as an example because it's really easy to get stuck on naming. Right. But you can use it in any different way. So to get back to the example I brought up with the Skaldmill Worlds, I knew I wanted it to be a play on the concept of the Shield Maiden, the Shield Maiden from Norse mythology. I came back. I looked at the word Maiden Worlds. I realized it wouldn't work. So I started dipping into old Norse languages and just looking up what things meant. And I, and I did that thing where I went like way off into left field. And then I just typed in shield maiden in old Norse, it's literally Skaldmare. Well, that sounds and it's though. such a fucking cool name and cool it name. means the same thing. And I, and I'm not even that creative. It's just a name that fits the idea of what I was trying to tell better. Right. And it sounds badass. It definitely does. I like Skaldmare. That sounds fucking sweet. Lastly, one of the biggest examples that I want to bring up about all of this stuff to you guys is that this is not something unheard of. One of the largest companies that we all deal with in the world, their business name is an accident and a typo. Google 
is actually a misspelling of Gogol, as in Gogolplex. This is a name that is super important to the company. They misspelled it. And instead of doing anything to fix it, they left it and it's stuck. It's unique and it's awesome. So tossing down a couple of notes or coming up with something crazy and then moving on and seeing what that planted seed grows. That's that's how you put it, right? Plant that seed, see what grows. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know if it's totally a saying. Acceptable. I was just bullshitting. No, no, it's a, it's a good <laughs> advice, so, so is man. that really where Google came from? Is it from Googleplex? Yeah. Oh, Google. Yeah, they misspelled Google. It's it's pronounced Google? Yeah. Really? I, yeah. Because uh, Googleplex is a is in a, a group of universes, right? Or yeah. I mean, you say it galaxies. really fast. It's it's a it's a very large number. Oh, really? Googleplex yeah. is it's just, just a large a very, number. Uh, Google is a very large number. Oh, okay. I, I I I'm not math smart enough to explain it. <laughs> it used to be like a billion billions. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. I thought it had something to do with like a bunch of universes put together. I mean, I think maybe Googleplex does. Oh, okay. I mean, could be maybe a Google is billions and billions and a Googleplex has to do with like, yeah, I, I, that sounds familiar. So, yeah. Or I'm just bullshitting again. You're right. You're, you can be an expert in bullshit. It's fine. I, I, I definitely am. Marky is a bullshit a machine. Bull, bullshit expert. <laughs> I can show you how to say that in sign language. Bullshit? Yeah, bullshit. I've seen this. <laughs> machine. Oh. <laughs> I, I, oh. I, I, you learned something new today. I did. <laughs> You'll forget it tomorrow. It's fine. I will. So, That's nothing new. <laughs> <laughs> so trick number two is borrowing existing structure. Most creative writing from novels to screenplays have a structure of how they're built. These can be outlines, treatments, story templates. They're great skeleton. They are great skeletons. It's a format that you set down on paper and then start filling it out, fleshing it out, and coming up with different ideas. In their simplest forms, these are lists they can be, uh, remember those thought bubble things that we used to do in school where you'd like, what they call mind mapping? Yeah, it was something like that. I, you, do, you, I do know what you're talking about. Yeah, you'd yeah. write down like animal and then you'd circle it and then you'd go four arms, rat, and you'd like put all these bubbles around it and you'd connect it with lines. Do you guys remember doing that? I do remember doing that, yeah. I don't mm. know if it was like a, I could have swore it was more like, I, think it's called I don't want to say mapping. complex, but like if you're like doing like farm, for example, you would come up with four things like hay, pig. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's like house. a so mind association. Mapping. Right, exactly. But it's just a structure. It's something that you can put down on paper and you can start fleshing out. These are really important. And this is part of borrowing existing structure. It helps you communicate to yourself the points that you're trying to make when you come back to reread it and actually flesh stuff out. But this is only half of what we're talking about. You can also borrow from existing media. My first Space Marines were modeled and painted off the idea of the Galactic Empire from Star Wars. While it wasn't the most developed concept or lore, it was my starting space. And as I painted these dudes up and I started to make them look more like stormtroopers, I started to get a better, deeper lore and they eventually changed. They eventually turned into the War Criers who are not at all like stormtroopers, but that was the process. I started with a concept of the Galactic Navy, the Galactic, Galactic Empire, Empire right. Stormtroopers, and I moved into something that fit more with the 40K universe. Yeah, I did. Mine wasn't as uh, creative. Mine was just like, hey, I really like salamanders. I really like dragons. I really like fire. I chose salamanders. And I realized I really like fighting aliens. And then, uh, you know, those the Death Watch RPG came out, and I was like, those guys like fighting aliens, and they look cool. It's time to repaint my army. And what you did was you started working in 
the lore of Death Watch into your army. Yep, I using Death it Watch exactly even, the way that it's supposed to be yep. done. Before Death Watch even had a codex, I was repainting all of my salamanders and playing them as like ultramarines. There you go, man. Yeah. So going off that, that's a great starting point. Look at existing movies, TV shows, books, games, Fantasy Flight's other game, and take a look at that when it comes to your favorite army, your favorite chapter, or even your favorite Xeno species. You're not looking with this to copy the entire idea. You're just looking to use it as a template moving forward. I did this when building the planets of the Skaldmare worlds. I searched through wikis on how Imperial worlds were defined, and I just read how they were organized. I this super simple exercise. I picked a world type. I defined the population size. I put where it was in the solar system. I defined what might live there. I also borrow a lot from history and science fiction when I write things up. For example, I love sandworms from Dune. So a lot of times I come up with crazy creatures that are like sandworms from Dune. <laughs> I also like Egyptian history. So I tend to borrow bits and pieces when I start world building or blocking in a lore concept, but it really works with everything. Really love heist movies. You could base your entire death watch killed team on the bank robbers in the movie heat. These are heavily armored, heavily trained, ready to die. If necessary soldiers that are there to secure anything on target, watch heat, look at how they operate. Look at how they talk. Look at how they spend their free time. Use that as a template to build your death, your, your death watch. Yeah. Your death watch. I was like, your, you're your death, death team. guard almost <laughs> your death watch kill team. Change the obvious stuff. Obviously these guys aren't going to be going after money. They're going to be looking for an alien artifact. They're not going to die at the end, but maybe they do die after they've had those 90 successful missions. Maybe they've got to bring up new people. Hey, instead of the cops and the FBI coming after them, maybe it's the Inquisition. Yeah, I was I'm, almost thinking like uh, Star Wars, what is it, the Bad Batch or something like that? Oh, yeah, the bad, the new one. Yeah, yeah. you uh, you can make a kill team after them. Yeah. There's something similar. You know, you got your heavy weapons guy. You got freaking your, your veteran sergeant. You have your sniper. It's very similar things you can do. And then you can have like the new orc commandos coming out. Oh, hell it's yeah. very similar or something like that. Well, then you've got Tom's Dizentine empire. Yeah. House Dizentine. Sorry. Yeah. Dizentine house. One day I'll get it right. House Dizentine. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, it, that's what you did. You, you, you had this existing structure, you had these bits of lore and you combined them in a way that works for what you wanted to tell. Yeah. Yeah. Basically. I mean, I, 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 I looked at it and was like, I can do this. I think, you know, I had to make it work. Yeah. Like mine was a goal. Like mine was a goal to make this a thing. Right. So almost a challenge. Yeah. That's kind of how I viewed it, you know, but you borrowed from an existing set structure, an existing structure. Yeah. And that, and that's a great place to start off. Authors start there. Stephen King has started there. You know, Anne Rice has started there. People that have written major books have started with this idea of just borrowing an existing structure. Well, it's just like, uh, you know, Shakespeare, yeah. that, that thing's, or, uh, I don't want to say Shakespeare, Romeo and Juliet. It's been used over so many times in movies and stories. Oh, yeah. And West Side Story is yeah. Romeo and Juliet. Yeah. You know? even, I even almost tied it into uh, the orc lore where I was like, oh, it's it's almost forbidden that you have Gork- you know, two war bosses. Gorkia and Morkia. Yeah. They want to <laughs> they they rub non-crotches together. <laughs> <laughs> they want to they want to rub squig yeah. squig nubs against each other. Do, do you bite your squig at me, sir? <laughs> want to want to touch each other's non-crotch. That, that's actually an interesting topic because it or an, an interesting segue too is the the story. You know, I brought up the heist and we brought up kind of looking at a death watch and then we talked a little bit about 
House Byzantine, but it doesn't, the structure that you borrow from doesn't have to be the story that you're telling. Say you want to tell a story about an inquisitor and about this inquisitor's journey, and you're trying to figure out what to do. Borrow the existing story structure of a, of a classic romance novel, except it's not a love story that you're telling. You know, just, just look at the structure of a romance novel, look at how it builds, look at how everything happens, but maybe this is the inquisitor going crazy. Maybe this is the demon inside its head. Maybe this is the demon he's trying to catch or she's trying to catch. Right. You can use that other structure to fill in what you want to tell. Yeah, definitely. And then you just put your own twist on it, make yeah. it interesting, make, you know, uh, put, put your own little love into it, you know, put your own little love into it. And that brings us to tip three, starting in one place, a lot of weird, funny, crazy and exciting stuff happens during tabletop playthroughs. Maybe you have that one guardsman that has never lost the leadership test, even when he's out all alone on the middle of the fucking <laughs> battlefield. Or you manage to take down a knight, riptide or tyranid monster, turn one with a unit of basic tau infantry. Shit happens, man. This is actually how you approached your orc lore. You yeah. based it on a battle between your salamanders and your wife's orcs. Yeah, uh, I definitely like kind of getting on that personal level of, well, I mean, it's probably why I never really created the lore for my armies when I first started out. It was more of like I wanted to play. And as I played, these stories developed and it just kind of, you know, gets me a little, uh, a little closer, a little more sentimental with the army. Yeah. And then just imagine, you know, say you're working on your Necrons, right? You're working on your Necron lore and you're trying to delve into what makes your Necrons your Necrons. So you bring up, you know, you grab one of the guys that exists. I think it's uh, Trazen the Infinite. Right, right, yeah. The, the guy manspreading. Yeah, he's, he's the guy that likes to collect stories, right? Or is it the other yeah, one? Yeah, no, 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 I'm pretty sure it's Trazen. Yeah. I don't know, is it stories? I thought he just liked collecting like He likes collecting stuff. Yeah. But like the whole idea that like maybe he wants to collect the stories of your Necron troop. So he's going in and he's interviewing these individual troopers to get their ideas. He's stealing their memories. <laughs> he's living a couple of moments in their shoes. You know, treat it as if you're interviewing your troops. The, the game's done. You're trying to come up with it. You need something. Interview that frontline guardsman who survived. How did the battle look like from them? How do those normal guys view what it takes to even get to veteran status? Right. Like even uh, the, the story that I really like, we haven't really shared too much on it, but Deadeye. Uh, Tom and I were actually oh, yeah. starting uh, Crusade back when Ninth first came out, and we were like, "Oh, you know, let's try Crusade out." So we started our uh, our little 500 point or 50 power level, 25 power level army, whatever it was. And uh, he actually had a Pathfinder squad with the uh, one guy. Like, I, I charged up veterans. They like wiped out the entire squad. There was one rail rifle Pathfinder left. He passed morale. He like double moved with the strat. He like peeked around a corner he one shot like uh it was like a captain that was uh due to like overwatch greater good popped that captain with like mortal wounds and then killed him and then uh killed another sergeant on top of that right after it was like the most gnarly thing ever tom could probably tell a story a lot better than i could but it was awesome it's been a few now there's been a few stories out of that one because there's there's another game that we played where he did like the same thing yeah exactly he's dead eye man he's not he was gnarly and, the, and these are the notes that like help you figure out how to name that veteran. That veteran has a name, Deadeye. Yep. Hey, I mean, another example is Billy, man. Kevin uses him as an HQ, right? Yeah. I mean, game. how many Billy stories do we have? We have tons. And it's great. It's always great to give Billy a new story. Give him a new arm, new leg, new, new cack. <laughs> 
so this is where you can start. This is a place, you know, start, start with what, you know, start with your army, start with things that have always, that have already happened. Treat it like an interview, you know, think of, uh, again, borrowing from existing structure. Look at how soldiers were interviewed during any movie that exists. You know, that, that, that kind of one-on-one thing. Fuck, look at the office, the way they do the testimonials, have guardman testimonials, have fucking (laughs) Tao fire warrior testimonials. Even if you don't end up using this stuff, just Start there. Yeah, put some plan, stuff planting down. that seed. Yeah. You can also you can also do this when you're coming up with ways to name your army uniquely. And we've talked about this a lot, especially when it's come to crusade. In fact, you just brought it up. We're gonna do a crusade, and one of the rules of the crusade might be no named characters. You don't want Gaz showing up in the crusade for yeah, of course. for backworld water to be. Yeah, but you want Commander Nearsight showing up. Yeah, good old yeah. Nearsight. You yeah, can use a face sword in somebody's face. Yeah, you can use Gaz's rules. Reliably unreliable. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Bring uh, them closer. <laughs> and that's actually what Gru- Grit Tooth One Tuska is. Grit Tooth One Tuska fields with Gaz's rules, but he's not Gaz. Oh, okay, that's awesome. He's Grit Tooth. Yeah, yeah. That's why I made him so big. That's why I made all of his weapons. Ah, okay, I get you. Trying to get that. That's thing. awesome. So something else. Not something else. So tip four is establish your needs versus your desires, either in a story following a narrative or when it comes to an entire army or just setting up a nation, an area, a campaign. Look at the goals, desires, and wants of the different characters and groups involved. What are their actual needs? Now look at how those might conflict with one another. In the case of a Space Marine chapter, they might have a lot of constraints on their existence based on the goals and tasks that they've been given out by the Imperium, which make it difficult for them to meet their chapter upkeep needs, and they may not even have the luxury of addressing any of their wants. This happens a lot in the lore. A chapter will get beaten down time and time again in official lore to the point where it's very difficult for them to rebuild their numbers. This is that needs versus desire yeah, that's struggle. like uh, Firehawks, Lamenters. Uh, there's a bunch of oh yeah, bunch of chapters that uh, anybody of, the Minotaurs or Kerkeridons have been sentiment yeah, against. Pretty much. <laughs> we don't like that chapter anymore. Send the Minotaurs. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, Gene Seed might run low. They might lose their fortress monastery. They might lose their ship-based uh, fleet status. So many things can happen. Same goes for the Eldari Lorekeeper who has inserted herself into hive life to learn more about the Monkai. Her goals might conflict greatly with her needs and everyday survival or existence. She has to hide the fact that she's Eldari. She has to hide her actions. She has to hide the type of food she eats. Her basic needs she has to hide based on the fact that her goal is to chronicle the life of hive worlders. This mindset allows you to look at the obstacles that exist in the existing 40k lore and play with how those affect the army or the characters that you're trying to write about. So like these rules that I've actually noticed Tips. this a lot or well, no, 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 the, not, not that, but like the, uh, the rules of lore, like the, the existing lore that's already there. I've noticed that a lot of people are actually kind of scared uh, to to write their own lore because they're they're afraid to step on the toes of the actual lore. So one of the things to do with that, and maybe the unofficial bonus tip, try to stay away from named characters and try to stay away from major named events. Unless they're they're your own, and, unless they're your own. 
you know, you don't want to write something yeah. about the ultramarines happening on an ultramarine planet. Yeah, but you don't want to be like, oh, yeah, my my war boss was the right hand man of Gosgul Thraka. Right. Or if you're going to write that, you can just say, oh, my war boss is also a pathological liar. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what, I actually addressed this with talking about because one of the things that happens a lot, um, which I find not necessarily annoying, but it always kind of makes my eyebrow raise is when people come up with their own space Marine chapters, there's always a tendency to link it back to something that's like Uber. So they're like, Oh yeah, my, uh, my space Marines have uh, a mixture of space wolves and try to make it like too edgy. They were there. Emperor's when, children, gene seed. They were there when Katie fell. Right, right. They, they've <laughs> got this like super crazy thing. There's a way. There's a way to play with that. The war criers. There's a rumor that their gene seed might have come from the vaults of Terra and might be from the Luna Wolves. It's oh, not okay. confirmed. Yeah, it's a rumor. Right. It's well, some like note saying. in some administratum paperwork that's probably bullshit. Because the Empire doesn't know how to keep, the Imperium doesn't know how to keep records. <laughs> and all signs likely play, uh, you know, point to the fact that the War Criers are just a uh, successor chapter of the White Scars. But there's that little bit of doubt. And that's it. That that's the Warhammer 40K. So in that doubt, don't call it out. Right. Don't say, get, help me out here. Not the Ultramarines. Give me something salamanders no no i want to make it sound really ultramarine without being the ultramarines <laughs> ultramarine don't don't name your guys the bestest soldiers and be like oh yeah the bestest soldiers are descended directly from Rabut gilliman's gene seed as a successor chapter to the ultramarines you know come up with your name even if it is the bestest soldiers and even if you want to you know name them as an ultramarine successor chapter but instead of being like they got their gene seed directly from Gilliman, be like, there is a rumor that upon Gilliman's resurrection, he personally oversaw the re-outfitting of a success the first chapter. company yeah. of my squad. There's ways to play with it without, you know, hard, directly. hard facts or hard like uh, chronological lore moments. You, like it's, you want to avoid like. Oh, yeah. Marius Calgar personally led the Haberdashers in their second charge against because Calgar is an ultramarine. He's not going to do that. Haberdasheries. The Haberdasheries. The Dabblers. Dabberdasheries. <laughs> and I think that's, that's a good that's a great point. We probably should have brought it up earlier. Um, and I know like people on the discord have asked, like, how do you yeah. how do you approach this? And the, and the answer is I approach it by specifically not writing anything you know borrowing here borrowing there linking here linking yeah there. you make you make things like kind of loose facts yes don't, don't loose make, facts don't i'm not hard, hard tying yeah, yeah exactly no hard ties to anything like uh well, well kind of like we did again we're gonna i'm gonna nod back to my orc lore we were saying like oh yeah gauze is you know leading a wah that's following you know rolling through this system and he sends a war boss so he you know gazgul indirectly affected my my own personal but gauze didn't show up right exactly because but at the because end of the I day Gaz, yeah. i can always say like it kind of you, you you throw that loose fact in there and that does happen especially since you can just buy these named characters right. the temptation is there yeah but, i'm actually kind of guilty of buying all the named characters for my death watch like i, I bought uh what's his iron father pharos from the iron hand iron yeah, like, hands, like, and i put him as my tech marine like for my today watch 
Oh, that was the other day. I hit up Eric and I was like, hey, you got this guy? He's like, yeah, I do. I was like, all right, cool. I'll be right there. <laughs> OB, OBG, our LGS. Yeah. That's what's up. It's o- OPP. Yeah. So some of the things that you can play with, with establishing needs and desires, just to kind of wrap up here and then move before we move on to our last one. Uh, I brought up the idea of the Space Marine chapter that's lost their fortress monastery. They're on the run. They're not having the amount of time. I'm sorry. They're not on the run. That, but they don't have enough time because of the crusading or edu- other emergencies that they're dealing with in the Imperium to recruit or rebuild. So it's a great place to set a story. Another great place to start, and it's just right there. It's rip-roaring and ready to go, is an Eldar craft world. The Eldar are slowly dying. They are slowly lo- losing what it they need to continue to sustain as a species. That's a, that's a great example of needs versus desire. And you can jump right into it. The Eldar desire to return. <laughs> the will to live. <laughs> yeah. They desire to continue existing. They desire to not get their ship pushed in by Slanesh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just try to put your shoes in those in those characters. Feel the flow of that world around you. Try to figure out how those angles might help you develop those story bits, help you drive to the next point that you're trying to get to. So our last tip. Uh, Marky, if you can read the title of our last tip, I, I lost it. How did I, how did I phrase sure. this? Beautiful. The title of the last tip is when you're stuck, suck on its head, flip on its head, <laughs> flip suck it on, on its, its toes. <laughs> yes. Sorry. I, I was reading something else. So this flip is it a, on its head. this is a direct tip or trick from my educational background from, from back when I thought I was going to end up being an English teacher. We've all been there. Take your story or your concept (laughs) and completely reverse what it looks like. In practice, you can look at the story structure of a romance novel. I brought this up already and replace the ideas of the romantic entanglements with the obsession over a physical object, the obsession with trying to find something, a voice in your head, a demon. I've never done that before. This is a very, very common writing trick. Yeah, I've never in my life done that or tried that. And I've been stuck a few times, but I've never tried like swapping it over. Just completely like one eighty yeah. what you were originally planning. Yeah, I've never done that. Well, what you're what you're looking to do is you're looking to like kind of kickstart that it's process. A, a no, like I get it. Yeah, I get it. I just I've, I've it's interesting. You never you never had to to get to that point. No, yeah, I got you. So it, you know if you're if you're writing about space marines, it's a perfect fucking example. Change your army. To, you, you're writing about space marines. You're stuck. You don't know what to do. Change your entire army to art orcs just as a thought experiment and try writing and see if that solves any of your issues. Well, I'm sure that's how like, you know, d- dig knobs were invented, you know, human, human orcs. I'm sure there's there's plenty of other examples. So in uh, my grot armies. Yeah, grot armies. That's a good. That's a fucking fantastic example. Yeah. You want a grot army? Well, now it's grot guard. Yeah, Exactly. But rat, rat Mechanicus, I wanted Skaven in 40K and I flip figured out head, how to flip man. it on its head. You can also change your main character's sex. In some of my 40K sci-fi writings, I've used this tactic to force myself to think about the narrative differently. Challenge what the story needs by shifting the entire focus to a female character, in my example. Um, oh, Gorka, yeah, War Boss Gorka. Right. In fact, I got about 10 years ago, well, no, not about 10 years ago, about five years ago, I started writing again in my own science fiction universe, which I call the Star Tide Expanse. And I was very stuck with the main character. The main character was very, very boring. Uh, and he was very boring for a very specific reason. When I had started writing right out of college and in my early years, 
a lot of what I was focused on was that space marine idea, that male power fantasy idea. And because I had been so focused on making him the coolest cool that could ever cool with the biggest muscles and the giantest guns and the most survivability, I had giantest penis. I was like, dang, you really go giantest (laughs) pen. But I got to that level that we've all identified with like the Horus Heresy books. Reading about space marines is boring as fuck. Yeah. And, and that's where I was. I changed my main character to a female. And based on that, I rewrote. I, I had to take myself out of this is my male power fantasy. And I had to look at this as a character, yeah. as a character with actual needs, actual desires, actual goals, and discover and design what that was about her. Based on that change, not only did my story get better, but my world building exploded. I all of a sudden had a bunch of needs and niches to fill because I was just now back into the creative process. You know how you flip that on its head? I turn it back into a male. No, you give her a penis. I mean, we're talking, that, that, that's, that's, we're talking that's, far enough. That's into, three dimensional head flipping right there. We're talking far enough in the future. I'm sure there's a pill for that, but yeah. I, it's, it's a dream within a dream within a dream. Within right. a dream. Yeah. And you don't have to keep these changes. This can be a thought experiment. It can be something that you run on the side. It can be 10 lines of dialogue. It could be three notes. It could be a couple of words. It might be enough to kick you out of that place you're in and just give you a bunch of answers to questions that you don't even know you're talking about. Same thing happens with painting. I mean, I, I've found the same thing happens with painting. I'm stuck on how to do like a transition or something. Right. And I'm just like, fuck it. I'm going to test paint something completely different. Yeah, I do that too. Well, I'll get to a point. I've actually just did it right now where I was painting all the, uh, you know, the beast snagger boys and I got about 50% of the way through and I was like, I'm going to go paint some death watch here for a little bit. Yeah, you got to flip it and reverse it and just see yeah. if it can kick out that creativity. If yep. it can, if it can break whatever mental block, whatever mental strain you're in. And sometimes it's up. just fatigue. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, it could be just bouncing between characters too, but just have the the open willingness to completely shift the paradigm of what you're working on. And like, and like Tom mentioned, Tom has never even thought to use something like this. And this isn't like a weird thing I do. This is like creative writing 101. They tell you to do this. Like you're stuck. Change Literally, you're stuck. Change your character's sex. It's taught. Really? Yeah. Because it forces you to look at a bunch of different things. It forces you to answer a bunch of different questions. Yeah, well, I mean, I guess I kind of did that with Warbus Gorka, right? You were, we came up with Boob yeah. Squigs. Boob Squigs, yeah. We, it was we, just like a, you know, rival we filled rival an entire laws. equal ninja, equal, yeah. I mean, in, in my particular case, it was exactly why it's taught needed to happen. Right. My world was so ground in like fucking space marine mindset, really. It wasn't space marine mindset, but it was so grounded in that like ultimate male power fantasy mindset yeah. that the story wasn't moving. Yeah. I was just making it, it was that it's that conversation you get into at the bar where you're like, oh, yeah, I caught a fish that was four inches. Oh, yeah, well, I caught a fish that was five inches. Oh, yeah, well, I caught a fish that was six inches. Oh, yeah, well, I caught a fish that was seven inches. Oh, yeah, well, I caught a fish that was eight inches with two mouths. Like that was the path I was on. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't solving the needs of the story. It was literally just I got a one up. 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 Yeah, I got a one. <laughs> How do you deal with that? I mean, I've like listened to a couple of books where it's just like this guy's fighting flip, demons. Flip it on. Or its this head, guy, man. this guy's fighting werewolves. Now he's fighting demons. Now he's fighting angels. Now he's fighting God. Now he's trying to save the universe. It's like at some point it's got to. Yeah. 
Well, you got to you got to look at real consequences to what's happening too. You got to look at the power structure. You right, got to look right. at and and I'm I'm facing that now even now that the character is female because there's a certain amount of power creep that happens over right. a story and at a certain point you have to reset that power creep but you have to reset it in a way that doesn't look super obvious. Right. Like a a fucking super obvious example and I'm sure most people have read the books or seen the movies is the, is the hunger Games shit. Mm -hmm. The hunger games is literally, it's a ramp up to an extreme level of power from the beginning of the first movie to the end of the first movie. And then a massive de-escalation. De and then they're like, okay, well we have to tell another story. So what we're going to do, Oh, there's just, there's another game and it's slightly crazier and it's, they're a little better, but they're not really that better. Cause we fucking knocked them back down to the bottom again. Wow. And that's a really obvious, like it ratchets, like it, it, it goes up and then there's a fucking cliff and you nose dive to the bottom of the cliff and then you got to walk up the cliff again. Yeah. Um, but there's different ways to do it. And it, it, it's interesting. I'm sure you're facing it in the, uh, ugh, I'm going to itch my chin. Right now. I'm sure you're facing it in the book that you're listening to right now because the, the rogue traders like rogue traders and inquisitors very very common like where do you go you're now hunting demons like yeah. what's the next step yeah honestly that that book <laughs> i listened to was gnarly like it had some crazy shit yeah. i'm actually listening to uh brutal cunning right now brutal it's, a little, it's a little rough the guy i think i already talked to tom about this and i might have mentioned it in, a, in one of our later podcast episodes with the guy i'm not a fan of his orc voice mm. he sound he sounds like the guy from small soldiers that's like like <laughs> yeah, you the hunchback yeah you didn't mention it and i was just like i can't like and then like his grots are like they they sound like uh, leprechauns yeah yeah yep. they sound like little little leprechauns yeah. that's just, just like, games workshop i was like this is rough man like i'm yeah. sorry i can't like i can't listen to this like the main character he does the main character well all the other ones just sound like well they just like sound, our games workshop makes them sound no they sound worse <laughs> they sound worse if they all sound like the main character i'd be fine but they they just like oh what, what, hey where are you going boss I'm yeah. just like oh my god I yeah can't that's listen to this. that's it yeah. I can't listen to this Sounds it's hard like I actually kind of like the the beast snagger voices that they've done for the stuff where it's it's a little bit more Australian oh really yeah it's kind of like I, I kind of like the, it's kind of a little bit more like a crocodile Dundee ish I like it better than I like the the, uh, how they kind of did it with the kill team stuff where uh, the yeah yeah those that sound well those aren't those aren't beast snaggers those are commandos right but that but that ever since the beast snaggers were released they've kind of gone with that like uh, like australian hard ass rather than you know manchester gutter punk yeah it's a little bit of a shift i like it i've liked it so far i think it's rough i like the rough the rough kind of kind of sounding uh what do you say like i guess speech yeah guttural yeah guttural speech it's more guttural it's less it's less dumb cockney and it's more guttural i yeah. like it i like i like i think they're going in a good direction yeah. So um, those are our five tips and our one freebie. Uh, one of the things that we endeavor to do as the podcast, though, is to be very involved with our community. Interested in being involved in the writing process of the podcast, you can join us on Patreon to access polls, chat with us, and see a couple of other perks. For instance, we turn to our community and ask questions when we get into some of this creative writing stuff. So I'm going to jump right in here. You want to read the questions, Mark? And yeah, sure. We I don't can mind. go around I, and, and answer. I, I learned to read really good. I learned uh, hooked on phonics worked for Mark. <laughs> I was I was too poor for that. <laughs> <laughs> I was too poor for hooked on phonics. All right. So our first question is actually from uh, Ickbard himself, the Ick man, the Ickmeister, the Icky Ick, brother Ickbardius, the sticky Icky. Yeah, the, the stickiest of the Icky. Oh, sticky Icky. 
How much belief can you suspend for your narrative purposes and how often? People tend to root for the guard and overcome the odds almost every time. But second, the second we slap some power armor into the mix, it's just another Matt, Ward es- or Matt Ward-esque story. Uh, so I think it depends on what you're trying to go for. In general, heroes should always stay, should always stay and always feel a little heroic. I think that everything, though, needs to be grounded in kind of a specific power scale uh, or hierarchy. A guardsman in a flak jacket is probably on the lowest end, but five to ten guardsmen should probably be able to take out a standard space marine. And probably two space marines should be able to take down a primaris marine. And ten primaris should probably be able to give a primarch the run for his money. I think what you're kind of driving at, though, is that equipment and tactics are kind of the great equalizer of the 40k universe. For instance, always remember a guardsman can actually wear power armor. Or a guardsman can sneak up behind a marine and slap a melted bomb to his power pack or the back of his head. There's always ways to write rule that work within the established power hierarchy where the rules might be bent but not broken by the people in the story. A handful of soldiers, for instance, use sticky bombs to blow the treads off of an armored convoy. And we all believed that, or at least followed that, in Saving Private Ryan. So a handful of guardsmen doing the same to a unit of Marines isn't that big of a stretch, depending on how you write it. I personally don't like flawless and invulnerable characters. uh, And I don't think that's how a Space Marine and Primaris really were designed to be used. They've got a lot of advantages, but they're also incredibly flawed. And I think that you can point out those flaws and really kind of steer into the fact that they're walking monsters. They're also not invulnerable. Plenty of things in the lore shred power armor, including standard Eldar troop weapons, Tyranid scything claws, plasma weapons. Yeah, they say, I mean, like, Gene's claws, you know, slice through power armor like butter. But yeah, I mean, as far as suspension of disbelief or suspension of belief, is, is it disbelief? Suspension of suspension of disbelief. Yeah, I mean, it, you, when you're when you're writing a story, I feel like when you have that you know that feeling of almost impending doom or that that feeling of like anything can happen, it makes it for a more interesting story. So it's a more, much more interesting. Story, yeah, yeah. So the more vulnerable you make your people, like if you have vulnerable, like uh, lamenters, for example, everybody loves lamenters because they're the ones who have bad luck and you know they're always like on their back foot they're always in trouble they're always you know and everybody loves them for it because it's like fuck man like that's it makes an interesting story but nobody cares about ultramarines because they're the overpowered vanilla like always win well and they're they're the poster boys and because they're the poster boys for the company they get the there's going to be a lot of love for them right so it makes for an interesting story the I, i am all for you know like very far far-fetched suspension of disbelief right it's what we were just talking about too the matt ward-esque era of for lore especially narratives was always that one-upsmanship every every ultramarine had to be better than the last one right i don't know my favorite thing to do in any type of story case is when you have that one character and you know this it's just to avoid the tropes you know like like oh there's that hero character and man against all odds he's gonna succeed right my favorite is like against all odds he does fail and he's dead now <laughs> you know like i dude i love that well like, it's almost like billy right because you know billy like he, billy's not winning every war he's been to you know he lost his legs he lost his arm he lost his eye yeah. and it's like because billy is human because he can lose those things it makes he's him flawed more and rebuilt in, he's he's yeah. more interesting yeah yeah well it's just like like i've talked about like the, that story of like 
like the the knights, you know, and like uh, what happens when they go back home and yeah, and it's there's like oh, more on an uh, emotional level, yeah, know? yeah, like they go back home and it's like oh, and and everything's dead, yeah. you know, like and it's just like oh, 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 oh and there's shit. no going back, like yeah. you know, like you you're just fucked. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. The flaws and personal hardships really sell a story. I, I don't know if you've seen the movie, but there's a movie called Feast. It's a horror movie. And they introduce every time they introduce a character, they tell you like their position in the story. Mm, so there's this scene that familiar. this dude dives through the bar window with a shotgun and then like hits the, you know, like dives through the bar window, bar window breaks, obviously. And then there's one of those like sticks holding like a fucking flap inside and he kicks it out of the way and the flap falls and he locks it locks the bar door and then he leans back up against it and it fucking freeze frames and it goes, you know, name, it gives his name and it's like position hero, probably the only guy that will survive till the end of the film. And literally as soon as the freeze frame ungoes, the fucking uh, wood shutter that he just slammed closed and locked explodes. And this monster comes in and bites his fucking head off. Oh shit. (laughs) (laughs) He's just instantly dead. So the movie leads you to believe that this is the hero of the entire story and then literally fucking kills him. (laughs) And that's, that's interesting. It's an interesting way that that's a good cold open. Yeah. Uh, So you want to read, you want, I'll read the next one. So Uh God warrior. I was gonna say I don't mind reading them. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. You, 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 you got, you got a, a little bit of uh, you, more input than you, I do. You read, you read. I'll read God them. I'll read them. I'll read them. Unless I, I'm doing a bad job. <laughs> Marky uh, don't know how to read good. This, this from God Warrior, the the, the other homie. Uh, how big and bad can the <laughs> can the boss of the wall be? <laughs> so orcs technically don't really ever stop getting bigger and meaner. On the tabletop, we have the biggest boss rule. Lore-wise, however, in 544.m32, there was an orc called the Beast who united the largest wall that was seen to date. This orc was even larger than the orc Horus defeated during the Olinar Crusade, which is how Horus was named Warmaster. The Beast aimed to overthrow the entirety of the Imperium and rule the entire galaxy and was only barely stopped at a great cost and devastation to the Astartes. I always say it wrong. Astartes. Not Astartes, Astartes. The Administratum eventually concluded that the Beast was not a single war boss, but a collection of six prime orcs, each who controlled their own was that rivaled the size of a space marine legion of the heresy era. That is gnarly. However, there was a leader known as the Beast of Beasts, who stood over 10 meters tall, roughly 32 feet and was encased in his own custom power armor. He was so massive when the Astartes encountered him, they thought he was a massive effigy to the orcs until he actually moved. In fact, Vulcan died in air quotes, attempting to kill the beast. We'll cover this more when we get to the war of the beast, but uh, there's a little insight into orc history. Gnarly as always. Not only that, but the beast of beasts spoke Perfect high gothic. Really? Yeah, I think I remember scared. hearing about that. He scared the shit out of the Imperium. They were like, oh, fuck. We're screwed. Oh, shit. Vulcan died. Yeah, yeah. Killing him. Vulcan died trying, trying to, to kill, kill him. him. Yeah. Somebody else actually killed him. <laughs> hey, uh, they like throw Vulcan into the sun. He threw shit. Vulcan into a... Uh, yeah, really? yeah, he like threw him into space. Like, he oh, threw shit. Vulcan into an orc power reactor and Vulcan sacrificed himself to fuse with the power of like wah energy yeah. to strike a killing blow against the beast of beasts and it didn't actually kill it yeah. damn dude yeah. and like the blast like shot vulcan into space yeah 
Like they had to like find him, yeah. like <laughs> as he was gnarly. like orbiting the planet. Like it's insane, man. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, like so the so the question. No, there is no limit. <laughs> but, <yeah. laughs> they just get bigger. <laughs> yeah, they just keep going. Yeah, it's just it's you know it's forty k. It's hard to get big. <laughs> yeah, right. Shit <laughs> everything everything fucking kills you. That's yeah, very good. Point. When your yeah. entire culture is essentially built around the idea of becoming the biggest and then beating the fuck out of the last biggest, so you can become the new biggest. Yeah, yeah. G- Gaza is probably the biggest currently. Well, yeah, like, you know how people die all the time from, like, you know, slipping? Like, they slipped and, like, broke their neck? Like, yeah. oh, I 40K thought, is, like, times 10. I thought... I like, thought, people die, like, like shitting. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Like... He's, he's, he was, like... like took a fat shit today. Yeah, like... He I'm died. dead now, yeah. Like, like it's hard for, for an orc to get that big. Yeah, like, yeah. Tom was all... You know, people die from slipping. I'm like, that's a really weird name for a grot assassin. Yeah, right. <laughs> hey, man, he catches you slipping. <laughs> he does. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's like, it, it, his his poison dagger is called banana peel. <laughs> Nobody understands where the joke originated, but goddamn, if he's gonna let it rest. He's got that yellow palace stab. <laughs> they call he calls it banana. He doesn't even know what a fucking banana is. Nope. All right. So our next question is actually from the homie. Bear Max. He says, uh, the so disrespect I'm- of this motherfucker. Nah, nah, nah. nah. Bear Max knows what's up, dude. All he right, joined so- your tribe, not That's right. mine. That's right. Oh, okay. Because he's the homie. <laughs> all right. So Bear Max is saying, uh, so I'm planning to start my lore after all. Uh, after the fall of Cadia, do you guys know of any lore or trivia that involves Death Guard, sisters, or orcs? Uh, I want to link my armies together. Could you also quickly spitfire some ideas on how to get started? So that's a, that's a actually a really good. Uh, you guys want yeah. me to drop the lore bits, and then you guys can spitball some ideas. Well, I was I was actually just going to input right now that yeah. I'm actually tying my all of my armies together. Uh, my my salamanders, my orcs, my death watch, my gene stealer cult. I don't know if you guys have seen, but like my gene stealer cult are you know they're kind of intermixed with alien. And yep. if you've looked at, closely at my death watch, I have alien eggs, alien eggs on the yeah, bottom on of my bases. bases. Yep. So they're kind of tied into one another, and I do have that's that's on a. Later, Loris, uh, what, what do you call it? A Loris Obscurus episode? No, L- Loris Obscurus is the horror ones. Loris okay. Stories. Loris Stories episode that we will, we will get into. Uh, but yeah, go ahead and uh, yeah. see what you're going to say, right? So the fall of Cadia happens in 999.m41. For your Death Guard interaction, Typhus was especially active during the 13th Black Crusade with his plague ships slipping past blockades and the Imperium Navy nets to spread infections in the Cadian and Agrippin sectors, as well as those of the Bellus Corona sector. This later became part of the Plague of Unbelief, which we talked about. That's the one that makes them zombies. Zombies. No world was hit harder than the high world of Subiaco Diablo, which Typhus returned to. Subiaco Diablo. (laughs) I like it. I like it. Uh, which Typhus later returned to and secured is his own plague-ridden stronghold by the end of the 13th Black Crusade. Also, the orcs rampaged across a number of worlds in the Sicarius sector, notably Leth II and Mardax Prime, taking advantage of the opportunity provided by Abaddon's invasion to launch new attacks against the distracted Imperial targets, Mardax Prime, could not be allowed to fall into the Greenskin's hands, for it was a forge world, and its loss would damage the Imperium's war effort against Abaddon. Fifteen Imperial Guard army groups and five legions of cybernetic Mechanicus Skatari troops continued to hold Mordax Prime, but it wasn't enough. The Segmentum Obscurus High Command drew up plans to send a further 
35 to 40 regiments of Imperial Guard to the world, drawn from the regional reserves to help bolster Mordak's prime defense. Yet the orcs had set their sights upon capturing and naming it Mordaka Prime. Yes, I love it. <laughs> I don't really know enough about the Sisters of Battle outside of the Age of Ecclesiarchy, though. Um, sorry, most of my Sisters of Battle knowledge is M35-ish. Yeah, I, I unfortunately am not a big Sisters yeah. fan, so I don't read up on them too much. But I would tell you, or I would advise you, I would spitball for you, that if 35 to 40 regiments of the Imperial Guard and a bunch of Skatari were being some sent sisters were there too. to Mordax Prime, there are probably sisters there too. Yeah, but they're more of like, uh, uh, what do you call it, uh, demon, almost like Grey Knights. They're more of like a demon or... Kind of. Right? They, they're, they're the militant, they're the chapter militant. They're the religious military. So, right. so, I mean, they, they ultimately don't care if there's some orcs around, but hey, they'll care if there's some chaos cultists around, right? Yep. Burn the and heretic. Yeah, that definitely the, the sisters were probably involved with putting down the plague of unbelief or yeah. fighting against the plague of unbelief. Yeah, it, I wouldn't put it past them to, you know, burn the, that plague out, right? The post the post fall of Cadia is probably a pretty good time to plug. We actually, you know, as we had mentioned before, they're... Uh, Gilliman's not sure whether or not it's M42 or M43 right now. So if you're playing after the fall Acadia, you're playing in a rich environment. You really are. Very, very loose, loosey-goosey. Good place to start, man. Yeah. Uh, any any Spitfire ideas on, on how to get started with his lore other than... So Death Guard, Sisters, and who? Orcs. Yeah. Death Guard, Sisters, and Orcs. Yeah. I mean, I would think uh, Orcs, you can honestly throw that anywhere, even up against Death Guard. And uh, Sisters, you can almost have like a little trifecta of sisters were sent to uh, go fight death guard and yeah, death guard uh, are hitting really death guard are already fighting orcs well and, death guard are hitting really hard on the eastern fringes yeah yeah right now that that's true there's a bunch of indominus stuff as well they're hitting they're hitting the eastern fringes of the galaxy hard uh they're the ones that are fighting tal right now uh death guard mm-hmm. yep. yeah that sucks for them and don't yeah. <laughs> don't really think of it like i've introduced lord and Tom's introduced lore and Marky has now introduced lore that all kind of takes place before the fall of Cadia. But a lot of that's because we all started. I, I remember playing games to decide whether or not Cadia fell. <laughs> um, I have the eye of terror codex, which is the book of the 13th black crusade. I very distinctly remember playing these missions and like what sixth, the fifth or sixth. Yeah. So we've got, like pre-fall of Cadia play knowledge. And that's probably why we set our stuff in that hazy the before times. Right. But don't feel that you got to start there. No. 100% my fucking Tau armies lore does, just starts in the fourth expansion, which yeah, is see, now. Mine, mine started in the third. Yeah. yeah. Usually, which is which the fourth expansion is 100% post-fall of Cadia. I was going to say, usually in Codex. Uh, yes. Yeah. Fifth and sixth. Fifth was lost. Sixth is the uh, one thought, that's fighting I Death Guard. fourth was lost. No, fifth was lost. Sixth is what's fighting Death Guard. Okay, so my so my Tau lore is fifth, uh, fifth sphere of expansion. Yeah. 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 See, mine's third. Mine was pretty much right when they started, right when Farsight left. Yeah. Yeah, uh, but I was going to say, uh, usually in codexes, I don't know if it goes for everybody, just maybe maybe just my own. Uh, but if you look, they actually have like a little galaxy map on each different. On each, yeah, that's, like, that's each, what we found a lot for campaign stuff. Right. And yeah. if you kind of like look at that and you can almost overlap, overlap it and see where, you know, where the Death Guard are, where the sisters are, where orcs are. Orcs are everywhere. So it's pretty easy to tie them in. They're pretty much all over the fucking galaxy. The, the sisters are going to pretty much go where they're sent. 
right or yeah. where their order deals with yeah so if you can find somewhere where you know the the sisters and death guard intercept or in intersect then you can honestly just throw orcs in the mix Sisters are going to fight the Death Guard. <laughs> yeah, yeah, easy. Yeah. Easily enough. Yeah, and then you can just throw orcs yeah, in there Yeah, sisters fight Death Guard, Death Guard fight orcs. Yep. yep. Shit, I'm sure the sisters fight orcs. Yeah, well, I mean, they're all about the fire. In no, but fact, I'm saying, like, in the order. Like, yeah. if he's right. talking about connecting Tri them, if he's talking about connecting them, yeah. that would be a good way, is in the Death Guard are chasing orcs, or orcs are chasing Death Guard, and yeah, then definitely. the sisters are chasing Death Guard, you know? Yeah. like Yeah. So, in yeah. fact, uh, Grit Tooth One Tusk is old banner was a sister of battle he killed a sister of battle and uh liked her armor so much that he put her entire body on his war banner oh yes i'll, I'll share more about that later that's <laughs> not his current body if you guys have seen his current model he has a triceratops skull and that's that's because uh grit tooth one tusk's head's been cut off a couple times and moved to different bodies <laughs> we'll get there later yeah my, my orc uh, uh what's his name shit had one footer shit had yeah, one he, he died like right away <laughs> like right away. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And uh, this is the last question. Uh, we have another one from Ick. Ickbard saying, uh, with, the with the perspective of many of the stories in 40K being written in a tradition of wives, wives tales? Wives tales, yeah. Old wives tales. Old wives yeah. tales. And legends full of regalia, such as the jokes you made about Riptides versus Imperial Knights. Yep. We made a joke about Riptides versus Imperial Knights? Yeah. yeah I was talking about Damocles. Oh, okay, gotcha. Being used as an excuse for soft retcons of details and motivations throughout various stories in the Black Library. How could you use this concept to alter lore to your advantage without it coming off as hack writing? Uh, an example I can think of in this premise would be the musical Twisted, which gave various Disney villains a new perspective as anti-heroes in filling in the missing details to make a new and compelling story. Mark had brought this up earlier. I don't think... I ever really want to alter the existing lore itself. Shifting perspectives on how a character is seen, I get. An example of this that I can think of that exists in the actual lore is the Tau and the Imperium. They're really, really good at using their propaganda machines to make themselves look real good and the people that they just lost against look real bad. I always get a little wary when it comes to outright changing any of the named GW characters that we, we literally talked about this a couple minutes right, ago. Yeah. I can find arguments for why people might think that they have to, but it, for me, it's just avoid at all costs. Yeah, I try to avoid it as well. To, to get to your example of the musical Twisted, uh, I think some of that's actually built into the expanded lore itself. Uh, we're going to talk about Grandfather Nurgle real quick. Is my favorite example for this. Peasants or Surf. Serfs, uh, no grandfather Nurgle. Oh, you're talking so about there's that. Nurgle, the chaos god, and then right. there's grandfather Nurgle, the chaos uh, well, god. I, they, They're the same thing. Right. right. So uh, peasants or serfs might actually pray to grandfather Nurgle to deliver them or their children from sickness or pain because they realize that he's the master of sickness and death, even though the imperial creed tells them that he's a villain. You know, there, there's a lot of examples of how to shift that put, perspective. Put a spin on it. Yeah. yeah put a spin on it. And those people aren't chaos cultists. They're just, they're reaching out to the thing that's answering. Right. Yeah. I mean, I guess, I guess a good rule of thumb or a good like guideline would probably just be to avoid characters like that altogether. It would make, unless you're actively trying to do something like that. I mean, honestly, it's your hobby, you know, do what yeah. you want. If you want to make your Morty like, you know, Morty did nothing wrong. He was just trying to please his father and he never got the approval and, 
you know, that this is why he is the way he is. If that's what you want to write about Morty, write that about Morty. Uh, but Man, did you just describe Magnus? Feels like you just described Magnus. No, Morty went through the same thing, didn't he? I know, I know. Yeah, he was They all did. That's why they were all mad. They were all mad because Daddy didn't love them enough, except Horace, who was mad that Daddy loved him too much. Yeah, well, you know, (laughs) you win some, you lose some. (laughs) And then Lehman Russ was like, fuck you, Dad. I don't even like your dumb empire. (laughs) I'm going to go be Space Wolves. Space Wolves. Furry's out. (laughs) (laughs) So one of the ways to kind of address the earlier concept that you brought up, one of those ways to sort of alter or shift lore to my advantage would be the way that I wrote Tau lore, my Tau lore. So in the fifth expansion, a bunch of shenanigans happened and a bunch of shit got lost. Star tide nexus failure. Yep. So the way that I, well, technically it wasn't a failure. It was a success. Yep. (laughs) <laughs> so the way that I dealt with that, cause I've never liked the fact that towers stuck into their little tiny empire and the little tiny portion of the galaxy. So I, I went with a lot of existing Tau lore and just recombined it to my advantage. If you're familiar at all to get back to our tips, uh, borrow something that exists. I looked at the way that alter carbon ran its story. So the, the story of alter carbon is essentially these engranamic devices get installed and a new clone body stacks. Yep. Your stack gets moved into a new clone when you want to move. And this helps yeah. you extend like a life. Little, little solid state hard drive that everybody yeah. gets. Just shove it in the back of your neck. Yeah. You just put it right in your spine. And like le- legitimately, that's a pure, uh, pure tight. What do they call them? Pure tight engrams? Yeah. yeah pure tight engram neuro chip. Yeah. Oh, this is a thing that exists. The Tau, if the Tau have one, the Tau have the ability to make hundreds of thousands. There's no reason that the Tau only have one. There's only one in lore because there's only been need for one to make your army and one to tell a story. There wasn't, no, they had a bunch. They do have, but no, they, I, yeah, they, with they, the they, eight, with the eight, they, they kind of hint at there being more. No, they, they even, did. Pure tight engram neuro chips were put in into a bunch of them and then they a bunch of generals and yeah. then they uh on vod decided that you know because they couldn't fight psychers because they didn't have the information in the neurochip right, so they right. just like froze so he said okay fine whatever remove them lobotomize these people you know get them out of the way and farsight was like whoa 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 whoa, whoa that's my buddy yeah. you know like because one of his friends had that and so that's when uh farsight kidnapped him and took him away right but but more what i was getting at was that pure tide is a person and yes. they made a copy of pure tide oh yeah no they, but they did it to Oblatai. yeah but Oblatai there's no reason thing. there's no reason that they also wouldn't do it to frank yeah no no <laughs> the, the they, technology they, they, could, they could do exists. it, to, do it yeah. to anybody that's yeah. the thing like they just saw a weakness in it and yeah. were like yeah let's not well the reason they did it for for pure tide was because they were trying to capture his brilliance because he was like the ultimate commander they basically right. wanted to like skip officer training school just yeah shove and they were like here's this thing he knows how to win every battle yeah. well he doesn't you know but he did he did but he doesn't so they they tried they copied that propaganda machine and then inputted it into other other generals Mm. oblatai oblatai is just a copy of himself it's it's literally his neural net downloaded yeah you know and he's like an ai he's an ai now yeah Yeah, yeah. exactly you know he's imprinted with his memories and then he's now an ai and they could they could do that to anybody yeah Mm. So I just ran, I just ran with that idea. There's, there's enough suggestion and lore that they can do it to anybody. There's enough instances of it already happening that I was like, okay, so you want to make an interstellar fleet and your people don't live longer than 80 years and you don't have faster than light technology. Let's just go with those assumptions. So my Tau 
basically, uh, they, they made a bunch of copies of all these warriors. They put them into a bunch of stacks. They put those stacks on ice and then they grew a bunch of clones or slow grew a bunch of clones in generation ships. Then they sent these generation ships out. And if you've ever seen the movie Pandemonium, the same setup for that movie, every Pandorum. eight Pandorum. Thank you. Every eight years, a new crew wakes up and cycles in. That's the whole background to my Tau and how they exist. And that's why they're in the Gothic sector. That's why you have only crisis suits. And that's why I've got a lot of crisis suits. And that's why I've got warriors. But even if you kill all my warriors, they're just going to be rehabbed into a different body. Right. Um, and, and there's Takashi's and there's a lot of really disturbing, gross stuff I did with that story. I I worked a lot of weird horror stuff into my Tau, so I'm not going to share more of my lore, but that's a way to look at until we get to a lore subscribers episode, but that's a way to look at exactly what you're talking about. I took the existing lore and I made assumptions based on it to make it work faster. And, And like, even in bringing up the example, Tom was able to bring up a bunch of stuff in Tau lore that 100% support what I did. It's just Games Workshop hasn't done it, essentially. I guess I don't understand the court's question. So how can you take various parts of the stories that exist in the world building and in the Black Library and use them to alter the lore to, to fit your advantage, to fit your army? So say oh, you wanted super easy. Yeah, say you wanted your Tyranids to be Well no no no. I mean that's what I'm, that's exactly what I'm doing with my knights. Yeah. That's exactly what I'm doing with yeah, them. You're yeah, twisting but he's it. saying like how how is the best way to finesse it without seeming like a hack? Like you just fucking like, like what's the word? Arbitrarily just start changing things. Well, I mean, when you think about where they're going, right? So the whole plan for the knights is to to return home and they return home to Right, but you have world. no named characters. So like let's say you had like the green what is it, the green knight? in your in your in your party uh-huh. and he was like robin hood or something you were rewriting him as robin hood how could you pull that off in a, in a finesse that is a way? fucking brilliant disney character yeah. i had not thought about yet yeah you were goddamn right i just yeah, came I was out like, that, that's my head i haven't made a robin the, hood the, the, green, yet. the green warden is that was that what it is yeah so the, the green warden yeah the green knight is just an old english tale Essentially. Yeah, but yeah. there's a, a warden, yeah. like the green warden that sits like yeah. at a tomb. Yeah, he's a tower. Like he defends like a, a tower. Yeah. Um, but what have him then be something else? Exactly. Well, that just like I was saying, like you would make that green warden like into Robin Hood and he joined your crusade. Oh. Now he's renamed. How do you write that? In, like, how do you finesse that in there? I, I don't think there is an easy way to do there, it. It's there, just a there, matter of, there is. I mean, I, yeah, I was like, I, I think that would be totally so. So the role. green. So the green warden is a role. It's not a person. Nobody knows. Maybe nobody knows that. But at a certain point, another green warden yeah. is going to take over. And in fact, in the original Green Knight story, that's what happens when you defeat the Green Knight or when you challenge the Green Knight. You can take the Green Knight's perspective, place, and the tomb that he guards in England or whatever. Well, there you go. You got that a, is a not that story at all. No, <laughs> no. The different Green Knight. You <laughs> yeah, have to kill him, don't you? Yeah, you have yeah, to I kill think him. You have to yeah, kill him. but, but it, you but don't. He have, doesn't die. That's the whole point. He doesn't <laughs> die. He it, it, uh, the the Green Knight is essentially a phoenix. Like if you want to actually equate it to something in 40k, it's a phoenix knight. You kill the Green Knight. Congratulations. He now takes your body. But uh, you yeah. could twist it. Yeah, you could tweak it where the knight version of it is is you know that knight's watch has ended and he's gonna you know. At night, they're going to switch nights. Yeah. No one's going to know. <laughs> I don't know. I think I think there's definitely easy ways to do it. Uh, yeah. Like, I, I mean, I don't know about like really popular named characters. Like, you know, obviously like Robert Gilliam and shit yeah. like that. But like 
I think for the majority of it, it would it would be pretty doable. You, you can always finesse it some way. In there. Yeah, I think it's going to be like, doable. oh, that's fucking preposterous. Why would you change that about? Yeah, the, I mean, it's the well, scene. I mean, and you would, you would still meet someone like that because guys, it's forty k. There are those people out there. Yeah, like me, for example, yeah. I'm one of those guys. It's the scene where like I lost my, I, I lose my shit every time I see uh, Shadow Sun painted in Farsight armor. Oh yeah, like yeah. Shadow Sun painted in red armor. I'm like, that's not that you can't that doesn't work. Like, but, what, but what if I call her kitty waifu? It goes against everything. Yeah, I'm like, that's just not how that works. What, what like, if they're on a red planet and they're painting themselves to camouflage? Doesn't matter. On a red doesn't matter. Why does it not matter? She's red planet. Doesn't matter. She doesn't need to paint her suit because it has a freaking reactive camouflage. What, what if you just like the model and you wanted to be in a different army and it's a different character? <laughs> yeah, I don't, yeah, exactly. Then that's what I'm saying. Like, I'm, like, I'm, you're fucking wrong. I'm a stickler like that. Like, <laughs> then you convert it. That's what you do. You make well, it not, look not different. Everybody has the the stealth armor, so maybe they, you know, she wants to be uniform with their entire army that's red. I I now very distinctly have in my head, by the way, this scene of Reboot getting into an elevator with a bunch of like traitor marines and like like just like the Captain America scene. I was just like, saying the elevator, and like they all look at him. They all look at him, and he just like leans forward, and he goes. I am Alpharius. And they all go, oh, oh, okay. Yeah. And they all just nod. He just walks out. <laughs> it's a Hail, it's a Hail Hydra scene. He's just like, I am Alpharius. <laughs> Nobody detects him. And he's like, oh, got away with it, boys. <laughs> that pretty, could have ended badly for me. That's pretty awesome. <laughs> that's pretty awesome. <laughs> so I think to get to that last little bit, that hack writing bit, one of the things that I try to remember is that the largest and most successful fan fiction enterprise in the world is the black library i mean it's fanfic guys it really is it's fanfic of the 40k universe what i would say on how not to be a hack is don't do what mark was just doing where mark was oh, like try to explain it away well mark was like well maybe she wants to wear maybe it's because she wants to wear red to match everybody else okay like like that to me is hack writing Okay. You know what I mean? Because like I know we're just joking around, yeah, no, so, no, 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 but like yeah, yeah. that to me, I'm like that's just being a ha that's lazy. Like, right. like yeah. oh well, she's well, she's I just wanted her to have a different color, so you know what she she wants to have we're fighting on a red planet. It's camouflage, yeah. and it's like you're not. It's not finesse. You're, yeah, you're coming up with excuses. Yeah, exactly. I'm like that's ha that's hack writing. I, I you want But you if you were run. to legitimately be like. Well, you know, she she's after Unva's death, she was touched by by the fact that Farsight's returned so many times, you know, so she actually decided to wear red as a nod. As a nod. Yeah, yeah, like it, something Some along like that. Yeah, I'd be like, you know what? OK, all or right. Or fuck that. I was thinking like that, dude. Like a so, make fun so of that. Yeah, even something like that, too. I'd be like, I can get behind that. A like, specialized Farsight fire team, not fire team, Pathfinder team is sent on a long expedition and specifically steals an engrammatic chip of Shadow Sun. Takes it back to the Enclave. Duh, yeah, and then dope, the Enclave dope. fucking tweaks her and that, reinstalls yeah. her. That is dope. So they can use idea. her to fight against dope. her. That was awesome. Not, that's awesome. Yeah. Not hack. Yeah. Like so that's so that's awesome. that's where I think we're looking at, boys. So that's yeah, what yeah. I think is the best example boys. Part, <laughs> yep. Is that one. Is yeah. you telling me, well, no, she just has red plaid. Yeah, she just red plaid, red camouflage. Okay, hacky. Right. You that a thing that you just came up with, Ryan? Brilliant. Yeah. Like boom. I agree. That, I agree. for even for me, I'm like, ooh, ooh, that's that's, ooh, that's a good idea. That's <laughs> yeah, I'm like, shit, I could do that. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> and I did like four of our tips. I was like, borrow something existent, mission impossible. <laughs> <laughs> just don't write like it's me. not actually shadow sun it just looks like her it just looks like, like shadow whoa, sun. like 
It's a copy. You're using Shadow Sun to fight Shadow Sun. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, oh, fucking, that's, fire fucking, fire. that's fucking dope. That is a pretty bad. Maybe I should idea. get that model. <laughs> <laughs> you make her with the helmet, not the uh, not, oh, yeah, not her yeah, actual yeah, head. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So it, you like can't see her. They're like, yeah. what the fuck is that? Yeah, it's, like, it's, actually, like it's actually an AI. Like, what? Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's a fucking, there's not even meat in there. Yeah, yeah. It's just like Obotai. Yep. Oh, that's a great idea. Uh, right? <laughs> I agree. That will wrap it up for creative writing getting started. We hope that we gave you some tips that will help you put a couple ideas on paper, some inspiration to help you start writing that project that you want to look at. As we continue doing our lore story series, we're obviously going to continue talking about our own lore, but we are also going to start sharing some listener lore. So if you guys have some stories, go ahead and shoot them to us. Get in contact with us through Discord, email us, find us somehow. Yeah. Discord's probably the best. It is always the best. I say it every episode. It's always the best way to get a hold of us. But you can email us at under the hive of madness at gmail.com or jimdarkgaming at gmail.com. We also have a pretty good roadmap when it comes down to the different goals and the different pieces of technology and other things that we are trying to bring to the podcast into our streaming so that we can just make some better content for you guys. We're trying, trying so hard. One of the things that helps us out is you guys joining us on Patreon and you guys joining us on stream and showing your support. If you are interested in supporting us in that way, you can head on over to patreon.com slash under the hive of madness and check out some of our different tier levels and some of our different perks. We're looking at introducing some new perks into what we're already doing. We also have our ongoing Innsmouth Hive project. We're starting to look at putting some of that down into PDF form. So we'll be dripping that out as we get to it. Uh, Something else that we offer to all of our patrons currently is uh, if you've got a private project that you're working on and you want us to shout it out, we'll shout it out in a couple of episodes. Right now, Ickbard is doing some commissioned painting. Yep. Or he just opened for some commissioned painting. So we've shouted him some, out a couple uh, of times. Voice acting. Uh, oh, he does. Yeah, yeah. I did not know that. Yeah. That's pretty damn dope. Yeah. He does his, uh, his voice mod, uh, Space Marine. And among a few other things. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. So yeah, if you've got some artwork that you want us to to share, you want to open up commissions you guys want me on to, logo design. To name your stupid orcs, I will. Yeah. <laughs> and you get that at three, six, or nine dollars. Yeah. <laughs> we are working on some other benefits and we're trying to just kind of reward you guys as we move forward. But it, it really does help us. We're able to pay for some of the audio equipment. We're able to pay for sand, sound dampening equipment so we can turn our studio space into a bit more of a functional space. Yeah. The real thing to look at this is, you know, we're, we're not in this to make money for ourselves. We're in this to just create good content for you guys. Yeah. So the more you, the more, yeah. Yeah. You know, about building a community, about giving you something to do on Friday nights, uh, hanging out with us on Wednesday nights, hanging out with us during the week. I mean, like I said, on, on discord, we're there all the time. We're not in this for you just to watch, you know, like we're in this because we want to, to develop a community where we're interactive and we're all working together to have a good time you know just generally generally have hobbies man yeah you know getting out there one thing that i've definitely learned from covid and, and being stuck indoors all day is like god it sucks when you don't have anything to do like cheers man you, you like everybody, everybody knows, knows your you name know. you know and 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 it's just a, a good solid community and we can do that we have the cameras we you know like we can stand up here and we can engage with you and we can formulate that group that's what we're here for so the more you donate the more you participate 
the bigger and better and the more that we're going to be able to, to, to have that reach yeah. and, and grow. And you know? we'll, we'll try to share some actual roadmap stuff out too. So you guys kind of get an idea of what, what equipment we are looking at buying and what pair of boots we're going to get for Tom. <laughs> <laughs> so he can stomp Kevin. I mean, so he can lovingly <laughs> tap Kevin with his toes. If you want to find us around the web, check out our link tree, which is link tree slash under the hive. That's it for us here at 665.66 UHMR Chem Rat Radio. Once again, coming to you from the neutral territory of the hangnail. Hangnail, best goddamn brew I've ever had. What do we call this corpse beer? The Nutty J. The Nutty J. Oh. I'm temporarily blinded because of it. There's a lot of you motherfuckers <laughs> here. I mean, there's a lot there of those is. motherfuckers here. <laughs> what I say the first time. <laughs> Make sure you join the uh, the Nutty Jays in the Discord, all you Patreon and Twitch subscribers. Don't listen to him, man. Yeah. Warm Do not way. recruit on the podcast. Uh, wait, <laughs> on the pirate broadcast. <laughs> what? Fuck you. <laughs> you cannot recruit on the pirate Spl- broadcast. Splatterhawks, but we're not supposed to know. <laughs> we don't. I, I was just saying. Uh, Why are you recruiting? Jays out there. I'm not. Really, are we really, four armed really rats? Terrible. Yeah. What are you doing? Yeah. I'm really terrible at this. <laughs> <laughs> We're literally the worst. Nutty <laughs> <laughs> Jays, baby. Until we all meet again, make sure to watch out for those four armed emperors. I've heard if you don't give them the deepest of genuflections, they may just push you into a sump gator's mouth themselves. They're going to give you their deepest. What was that word? Genuflection. That's when you Genuflections. bow. Genuflections. They're going to give you their deepest genuflection. <laughs> They're going to give you whatever the hell Ryan just said. <laughs> whatever the hell that word was. I don't know. But that's it. That's, the- that's it. That's, that's it. it. That's it. That's it, it from us here at Kemp Rat Radio. Signing off.